Welcome to the Ether. Today is Sunday, February 12th, 2023. Today on the Ether, the Collector's Gallery, Episode 4 with Fabian Graham. Excuse me, Dr. Fabian Graham. Hosted by Sandy Toes 2211. Let's take a listen. I'm just going to uh, invite uh, my guest speaker and say join us now if you guys would please uh put some of your um tweets uh, in the bubble here to show me what art you want me to look at and collect welcome terra spaces terra spaces is amazing this space is being uh, professionally recorded and it will be kept forever so it's not just 30 days the way twitter does it we are making history and it's really important to document the early days of the artists and the collectors and our journey in this space so thank you terra spaces for being consistent and doing great work all right um fred uh, before I, i call on you i'm going to say hello to samira and say how are you samira welcome to our space Hi, Sandy. How are you? Nice to meet you. Nice to see you. You know, I think that is the first space that I have with you. I just come up to say hello to you. I'm so happy to hear you. Nice to see you, my friend. Nice to see you, Fred, Kunal, Amin, and all of yours in this space. Nice to meet you. Very nice to meet you. This is the first time I'm uh, seeing you in my space. It's wonderful to have you. And um, thanks for coming here. Uh, hello, Amin. And uh, hello, Henry. Uh, nice. I don't know if I have uh, met you before, but uh, thanks for coming to our space. Um, you are from Boulder, Colorado. Family guy. Well, welcome, family guy. It's wonderful to... Oh, he left. Uh, I see Chidima. Chidma, I see Charrier. Oh, hello, hello. So glad to have you all here. We are just, uh, you know, waiting a couple of minutes until um, our guest shows up. And, uh, and I don't know why he's not coming. Oh, it's not working. Okay, you know what? I think I'm being the goofball here. Copy link. I, I thought I was a good multitasker, but okay, there we go. I think I finally sent it to him. Okay, so what's new? I want to know what's going on with everybody this year. Uh, I saw Terry's new art, and um, I know there's a lot of people that are trying to bring um, awareness and raise money. So I, I, I'm so happy to see the artist community coming together to help the earthquake victims. And, um, you know, being an artist is a powerful thing. 
So thank you for everything that you're all doing. And uh, again, everybody pin your tweets inside the little bubble down there. So, um, you know, I may not be able to collect everybody's right away, but I will definitely be looking at this throughout the day and be collecting. And we're collecting on all blockchains, whether it was Ethereum, Tezos, or Omniflix, or whatever it is. I even have a Solano wallet set up. So today I want to collect art and um, I, I, I want to, oh, here is my wonderful guest of honor. Okay. So I'm sending a, to, uh, an invitation for Dr. Fabian Graham. He has joined us now. We're going to give him a couple of minutes to come up and he's going to accept the invitation. And uh, hello, Dr. Graham. So nice to have you today. Welcome to our space, and uh, thanks for coming. I'm going to uh, put some tweets up in the nest, but uh, please uh, introduce yourself and uh, tell us about how you got into the journey of NFTs. Welcome, Dr. Graham. Please unmute yourself. Fabian, uh, can you hear us? Uh, go ahead and unmute yourself. Maybe he can't hear you. Fabian, can you hear me? Um, Sandy Tozer's asking you to unmute. I think he's rugging, Sandy. Well, I, I have not seen him unmute his mic. So could somebody tell him to unmute his mic to see if he can hear us? Hey, Fabian, can you hear us? Give us an emoji or un unmute and talk and introduce yourself. Okay, that's an emoji, but um, can you unmute? Give us a thumbs down or a thumbs up if you think you're having technical problems. Okay, so obviously having technical problems. Oh, we need to jump out of the room and come back in then. Because sometimes, especially when you come as co-hosts, there's some technical difficulties. And maybe Sandy, um, bring him up as a speaker first. Okay, Dr. Graham, I'm going to ask you to uh, switch to listener. I'm going to put you, uh, I don't want to remove you because, actually, I'm, I can remove you from co-host and then bring you up as a speaker. That's what I'm going to do. Okay. I can add him. Okay. Hopefully I didn't. Uh, okay. So now um, I'm going to send, uh, Dr. Graham, I'm going to send you an invitation to speak because maybe the co-host thing wasn't working. Uh, please accept my invitation to speak and we will try this again. I just sent you a speaker invite. All right. Uh, while we wait for uh, while we wait for that, uh, let me see if I've got um, my my tweets. Okay, here we go. Okay, um, I'm going to uh, pin up. Uh, let's see. I'm going to pin up some things to the room, and uh, okay, I'm going to send you invite to speak again, and I'm going to pin up some of uh, Dr. Graham's work. Um, into the nest so that we can see his amazing work. So Dr. Graham is a respected author, and uh, he's, he's got some books that he's published. He's an anthropology professor, and um, he's got some amazing things to share with us. Um, you know, I learned so much from studying his books. You know, there are some people that put swords through their mouths. I used to just think that these people were just, you know, um, uh, artists, uh, you know, uh, what do you call them? Uh, people who, you know, who just want to show you their abilities. But 
actually, um, it turns out that this has religious significance. So I'm going to uh, hopefully see if, um, oh, where did he go? Did we lose? Uh, okay. Dr. Graham, can you please uh, accept uh, invitation to speak? Uh, why don't you leave the space and then come back and then um, I will send you an invitation to speak, okay? See if that works, the technical difficulties. Okay, I've got some requests. I'm going to bring speakers up here. Okay, so in the meantime, um, let's, uh, let's, let's, uh, I want to hear, uh, I want to hear about, uh, what you've been working on Kunal and, uh, let's start with Kunal and then we will go around the room and everybody can introduce themselves and, uh, tell us about their, um, art, uh, go ahead and uh, tell us about, and, and you're definitely, uh, welcome to, uh, uh, you know, talk about any blockchain. Okay, <laughs> thank you, Sandy. Thank you for the space. Uh, um, I, I actually minted uh, four of my paintings on Manifold, and one of them is our editions. Um, so pretty excited, kind of, uh, to talk about all those paintings, and I'm also working on a new series. It's a white series of um, on uh, known origin which I'm working on right now. Um, the two of the paintings are finished. I am going to mint uh, six or seven. I'm not sure yet. <clears throat> so those are in pipeline and I have a collab that is coming, my first collab. So I'm very excited about that. And it's going to be something about fashion and art and a lot of Indian crafts mixing together with my um, my sort of uh, working with found objects and materials. So very exciting. So very excited about my uh, whole journey. Here. Wow, that is amazing. I'm so happy that you're here sharing your art with us. And um, I can see people are putting their tweets down there. So that's wonderful. I'm going to go look through that. And uh, uh, I'm going to give the mic to Fred. Fred, welcome, and please tell us what's new and exciting for you. And uh, before we uh, before we go, that Fred, Doctor Doctor Fabian, are you able to hear me? Give me a thumbs up. Doctor Graham, uh, can you hear me right now? Speak. Oh dear. Our main guest of honor is not able to come up. Okay, I'm going to send him some private messages. Uh, Fred, please unmute yourself and tell us about your latest work. Thanks, Sandy. Um, uh, the last six months I've been back, getting back into some AI work, which I've been now minting, and, um, but I haven't given up on doing my abstract work. And the last week I've actually gotten back into doing um, acrylic painting. So I'm starting to work with... Um, mixed media acrylic because I'm working on painting coke bottles and cardboard and using these types of things to um, make abstract art but um, otherwise I'm still doing my climate change art I'm trying to also work on the the um, mixed media to do it like a um, more of a you know go along with the climate change theme so um, I've just otherwise I'm just making art every day and enjoying the nft space and as you know i've um looking forward to your space because i love the idea that we're doing spaces about um 
the collectors and the art and that we get to have an in-depth conversation about these things. So it's, um, I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Fred, your art has come to this incredible heights. I love what you're doing in your AI stuff. And um, I love that you joined these spaces and, and uh, are here with us. So I'm definitely going to be looking at your art. I'm sure I'll be picking some up. And um, I would like to give the mic to Samira first, and then we'll go to Angel. Samira, please unmute yourself and tell us about your process. You've got an incredible, uh, beautiful collection. Please go ahead and tell us. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. Before I want to start, I would like to say hello to all of my, my friends in this space. Uh, and nice to see you again. But before I want to start my speak about my project, I would like to ask you some questions about your pieces. You know, uh, I think that is the first piece that on top of a space, there is a ghost month. Could you tell me where is this place and what is this ceremony, Sandy? Okay, that so, is so amazing, so beautiful pieces. Could you tell me? Okay, uh, are you asking me about my personal art or the art that we have pinned in the room? I wasn't clear about your no, question, dear. Uh, yes, uh, that's uh, you know, I asked this question about uh, your, your art that you pinned on the top of a space. Okay, well, first of all, everything that's pinned up in the nest is Dr. Graham's work. Dr. Fabian Graham is a professor of anthropology, and today I wanted to highlight his artwork. He's also an amazing collector, too. He's collected my work and a lot of other works. So, Dr. Graham, if you could leave the Twitter space right now, just leave the space and then um, come back in. And that way um, we should be able to figure out uh, why, you know, that, that'll clear up the technical problem and then you'll be able to come up and speak. So um, go ahead and do that. And so to get back to you, Samira, this is uh, Dr. Graham's work. And so please go ahead and tell us about yours. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you so much. You know, uh, your arts uh, were so amazing for this reason. I would like to know now about it. But uh, after the, uh, Fabian, uh, I think, uh, come up, I would like to ask him about uh, these amazing artworks. You know, they are, I think, uh, masterpieces. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sandy, uh, to give me this opportunity to speak in your space. You know, I would like speak about my first uh, collection on foundation and you know i sent my pin to it on top of the space you can see uh, uh my pins and uh, you know uh, that is about my first collection on foundation you know i in this collection i've designing various jobs with a specific uh, space for each jobs you know um you know if you uh, read this uh, thread, art thread, you can see uh, all my pieces that I minted on a foundation. For example, musician home, athlete's home, and uh, the other thing I would like to show you, um, car lover's home, that uh, there, for example, if I want to make an example, for uh, a musician home is my first pieces on foundation that 
if you zoom in in this uh, piece, you can see I indicate musical space by placing musical instruments on the second fellow and someone who is playing piano for his love. And if you uh, zoom in on the second fellow, you can see bedroom, uh, workroom, kitchen, and garage, and someone who is standing on the balcony and enjoy her husband's um, music and you know uh, i would like to show uh, this atmosphere uh, to show musical um, someone who his job is music playing music and for and this other my pieces you can see at his home that there is a woman that is running in front of her home and the other one i would like to say car lovers home that there is a someone would like to collect classical uh, cars just that as you know my uh, pieces minted on foundation and its prices 0.2 attorney if i want to speak about my plan uh, I, I, no, I will send my uh, box uh, format to every collector you know a box format of every pieces i will send this uh, format to all collectors to use them on their sandbox games and something like that and uh, for and the next piece will be con uh, fictional home or candy home that uh, i think that would be a sweet little sweet just that, thank you so much, Sandy, to give me this opportunity to speak in your space. And thank you so much for your patience. Thank you, my friend. Thank you so much for coming. Could I please ask Fred to maybe, uh, Dr. Fabian can't hear me, ask Dr. Fabian Graham to leave the space and then come back because I can, you know, it's not working. He's not receiving the invitation to speak. And I don't think he can hear me. Um, Dr. Fabian Grant, if you can hear me, give me an emoji. Um, I don't think you can hear Sandy. If you're having problems with the space, especially if we can't bring, if she can't bring you up, it's because it's a technical difficulty. Your best bet is to leave the the um, space, preferably restart your Twitter, and then come back because then we can. Um, she'll be able to bring you back up. Can you give me an emoji so that I know that you're hearing me? Well, I did uh, respond to his tweets. Um, hopefully he will uh, come up and uh, let's see if we can try that again. Thank you, Fred, for doing that. I appreciate it. And um, okay, uh, let's, let's just go through the room and uh, look at everybody's art. And uh, hopefully we will get uh, Dr. Graham in here so we can hear about his amazing uh, accomplishments. Um, Angel, so glad to see you. Welcome to our space. Uh, please unmute yourself. <laughs> yeah, you know why I'm here. I miss you, first of all. It's been so long to hear your voice. I'm here just to hear you. Um, I wanted to see how you're doing. I wanted to hear from Dr. Fabian, but I think he has some technical issues. Uh, I'm not going to advertise anything. I just wanted to say hi, and I love you so much, and I miss you, and I'm so grateful for everything you do for all the people in the space. That's it. 
I have nothing <laughs> to advertise or any project because I always do things. So I'm just here to say how much I love you and I honor you and I miss you. Unfortunately, I didn't have the time. Um, today I was like a little bit more relaxed. So I saw your space and I say, okay, I have to be here. And that's it. <laughs> love to all the people. Um, yeah, I love you so much. I miss you. Oh my gosh, I miss you too. You and I go way back, uh, quite a ways. You've been in this space for quite a long time. And um, I'm so glad that you're here today. I see you, you are very active. And okay, oh, oh, here we go. Okay. Oh, I've got Dr. Fabian Graham up here. Angel, thank you very much. You have indeed. Welcome. Hi there. Welcome, Dr. Graham. Sorry so much about that. It's my, my technological skills are not up to my artistic and anthropological ones. <laughs> there you go. Where, where were we? I, I couldn't actually hear what you guys were saying. Well, we were, uh, while we were waiting for the technical stuff to work out, um, I, I just uh, want, wanted went around and people introduced themselves. And so now let's get down to the heart of the matter. You are our special guest. And at the top of the room, the first tweet I put up there is, are the books that you have written. So right. just why don't, you, why don't you tell us what you want us to know about yourself? You're a professor of anthropology, and I, I want to give you a chance to just tell us how did you get into anthropology? What have you done? And then um, how did you get into NFTs? So take it away, Dr. Graham. All right. Thank you so much. Well, before becoming an academic, I was actually an artist. I got my, my degree in art and design from an art school in London called Central St. Martin School of Art. And uh, my speciality was jewelry design. But I've always been a traveler. Uh, I think between, my longest trip was five years. And uh, I worked my way around the world. Uh, I did an overland across Africa, then went up through India to Nepal. Uh, I ran out of money. Uh, had to sell everything from my walking boots to my camera to my backpack and had enough money to get a, an air ticket. And I chose Taiwan, where I taught English. And uh, while teaching English in Taiwan, I really fell in love with Taiwan. And so I did a master's degree in Taiwan studies just to learn more about it. And while I was studying, I read an amazing paper about gift giving. People people assume that giving a gift is a, a simple thing. I give you A, uh, and you say thank you. But this paper was a very, very in-depth analysis by a famous anthropologist from Cambridge University. And he, he explained that as soon as you get into uh, a system where you give something and someone reciprocates, even by something as simple as saying thank you, it's no longer a gift. It's uh, an exchange. Uh, I get gratification. The other person gets whatever they get. And I decided that anthropology was what I really wanted to study. Um, meanwhile, my thesis in my master's degree in Taiwan studies was Chinese religion in Taiwan. And I, I continue with that theme. I went to Cambridge, did a master's in anthropology, uh, wrote another thesis about Chinese religion in Taiwan, which you can ask me questions about regarding the NFT. And to support my way through my studies at master's degree level and then PhD level at University of London, I was selling jewelry. 
and I was also uh, had my own darkroom, so I was taking photographs. And in London, there's a famous art market called Camden, and I was selling my uh, jewelry and photographs, which I, I printed and developed at Camden Market. So I've got a background in art, and then I found that in Singapore and Taiwan, the religions were vastly different. They were both Chinese religion, but in Taiwan, people worshipped deities from heaven. And of course, they have many, many deities. But in Singapore, the most popular Chinese deities or gods um, to possess their spirit mediums, which is a very normal practice in Chinese religion, were from the underworld or hell. And it fascinated me. And so when I got a, a postdoctorate a research job with the Max Planck Institute in Germany, uh, I, I researched for a book about hell deity worship in Singapore, Malaysia. And a lot of the NFT came out of this research. The research started in 2010, and my first book was published in 2020. My second book uh, was uh, Contemporary Chinese Religion in Singapore, Malaysia, and Taiwan, which was based on the first book with a lot of revisions showing how and why in Taiwan you have heaven deity worship and a very different selection of, of rituals available to the ritual landscape in, in Southeast Asia, Singapore, Malaysia. So I have a background in art, I have a background in anthropology and religion, and uh, I have a friend who was collecting art blocks back in 2020, and by the end of 2021 he was exceedingly rich. Unfortunately, he didn't tell me until the very end of 2021, Fabian, you should be doing NFT with your, your, your photographs and your artwork. And so that's when I got into NFT and art uh, about a year, a year and a quarter ago. Wow, that's pretty amazing. And um, so as I was looking through um, what you were doing, there is a difference. You went from... Uh, the underworld deity ver uh, worship versus heaven deity worship. And it never occurred to me that people are, uh, you know, doing worship rituals for the underworld. You know, it's like in the Western culture, you're, you're always avoiding stuff. But from what I understood, please correct me if I'm wrong, these deities that are in the underworld are trying to warn us to be good so that we don't end up in hell. Is that right? Exactly. And the big difference between the Chinese hell and the Western hell is Chinese hell is temporary because they believe in a system of reincarnation whereby after death, your soul goes to be punished for your sins, assuming you've been sinful. Uh, and after you're punished, there's 10 courts of the underworld, 10 chambers of hell. In the 10th court, you meet a very friendly old lady whose name is uh, Mengpo. And she gives you a broth. It's called the broth of oblivion, or also known as the tea of forgetfulness. And you drink that, and you forget your previous life, and you forget all the tortures that you've been tortured for your iniquities, and then you get reincarnated. And this is a belief which was brought into Chinese religion in the 5th century, directly from Buddhism, which, of course, is an Indian religion. And... It's very different to the Judeo-Christian hell, which is you're, you're there and you're permanent. So it's 
it's seen as a stopping off place and if you can avoid it all the better and there's a belief that if your your good deeds outdo your bad deeds you can skip the underworld completely in singapore and malaysia wow that's that's a that's very interesting perspective um this kind of reminds me of the middle eastern uh kind of traditions and culture you know some people have heard of jinn and so according to what I understand, there are some that are like, they don't believe in God. And then, like you said, there are those who have done bad things on earth and they do believe in God, but they wander the earth, um, you know, just uh, trying to warn or be mischievous. And, and so I wonder if there's some overlap there in, in the traditions there, because uh, the Persian culture, there's a lot of things that um, have come from the Chinese and uh, the Far East. And so that, that's very interesting. So go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Wandering, wandering spirits, uh, common and that's how what they call ghosts of wandering spirits. They're also called good brothers, so as not to offend them, which is quite interesting. And they have a different calendar. <clears throat> the Chinese calendar is uh is a 60-year calendar, uh based on the uh, orbit of Jupiter around the sun. And you have 12 zodiac animal signs like dragon, snake, horse, monkey, tiger, rooster. This is the year of the bunny rabbit. And you have five elements and five times 12 is 60. And so the calendar corresponds with the orbit of Jupiter around the sun. Um, so every seventh month, and it's based on lunar months, not solar months, they call Ghost Month, and one of my albums was uh, Ghost Month uh, Cemetery Rituals in Singapore. And the belief is that the souls in the underworld are punished for many hundreds or thousands of years before they reincarnate. But once a month, uh, one month a year, sorry, uh, they're allowed out to wander the earth. And there are, are, of course, different deities go out with them to make sure they behave and go back again at the end of the month. Uh, but Ghost Month is massive, and that's about the wandering spirits. Thank you. And so these people who are doing, you know, what the West would term uh, self-mutilation, they, you know, could you tell us a little bit more about that? Because it's not about self-mutilation. It's, it's about self-sacrifice and trying to work off the karma for those around them. So it's actually a gift, right? Well... This is interesting. If you can put up the link to the the foundation, uh, uh, my my the three pictures of extreme piercings and foundation, I can explain the differences. Um, okay, let me let me get that up there. It's uh, uh, it's what my collection. Oh, sorry, it's not not foundation. Apologies. It is the uh, known origin. Sorry, known origin. And that will show you the the difference between the different kind of piercings. Uh, it should be the first album, Spirit Mediums in Southeast Asia, Extreme Face Piercings, and the three different NFT there. Sandy's got the pictures of the three different piercings up there. Did you see Fantastic. that at the top? Right. I, I can't. My, my phone's playing up, but I can explain the differences between them. Um, the one in the middle, the very dramatic one, the, the, the young gentleman is pierced with two umbrellas. All of these three gentlemen are spirit mediums. That means 
essentially that their spirit has left their body and they have been possessed by the spirit of uh, a deity. And the traditions have different purposes and different meaning. The gentleman on the left was a lovely guy called Mr. Kim, and he's pierced himself with two long skewers, and there's little heads, animal heads, on the end of the skewers. One of them is an ox, and one of them is a horse. And those are both underworld deities. They're called ox head and horse face. They're actually taken from Indian Buddhism, uh, where they're called yakshas, and they're the guardians of the underworld. And in in Chinese religion in Singapore, they believe that if, if you pierce yourself with a skewer uh, headed with the deity, the spirit of the deity will enter your body, and you can assimilate that deity's powers. So in this particular case, the spirit's medium job was to remove evil spirits from his neighborhood, from his vicinity. And so he used underworld spirits and assimilated their power to help cleanse the area of any malevolent spirits which had uh, escaped otherwise. Um, so he was doing that to help people. The middle one is very different. It's from the Nine Emperor God Festival, also known as the Vegetarian Festival, which takes place in Thailand every year, in Hat Yaya, the famous ones in Phuket. And the idea there is almost Christian in a way. In, in Christianity, uh, obviously, Jesus died for other people's sins, so other people don't get punished for their sins. And in Thai Buddhism, they believe in something called merit. You can make merit by doing good deeds, uh, make merit by giving um, donations to, to monasteries uh, or through personal suffering. And so these, these guys pierce themselves with very, very extreme piercings. There's some you'll see later on, on um, open sea. And they believe that if people worship them and pray to them as they walk past, they will absorb the, the, the bystander's negative karma so the bystander can get a better future reincarnation and they take all the bad karma for themselves. And so it, it's almost a Christian act of, of benevolence. The picture on the right that is very unconventional, it's in Singapore again, and it's a Tamil Indian who's a migrant worker in Singapore, and he's pierced himself with a fluorescent light tube. And it, it was fascinating. It was to go and visit maybe eight temples, and he would pray at all of the different temples to different Chinese gods, and he's possessed by hell deity. And at each end of the light tube, there were wires hanging down to a battery on his belt. And the light tube would get very hot, so basically it would be disconnected. And as he walked into the temple, he would connect he would connect the electric lines up to a battery on his belt and it would literally light himself up. But his reasoning was a bit different. He was a new spirit medium trying to make a name for himself in a very, very highly competitive culture. It's almost like an industry. It's like you have to have followers to make donations. And so he's actually doing this as a form of self-publicity for his temple. So you have three different spirit mediums with extreme piercings for very, very different reasons uh, based on different belief systems, which I think is fascinating. Um, culture is obviously man-made. Uh, religion is man-made, irrelevant of whether the gods are real or not real. That's something I'm not obviously qualified to comment on. I, my study is the culture itself, um, but the religion itself is man-made, so it's open to the interpretations of the people who make it. 
just why it's so different for different people in different locations. Um, I have a question for you. How does one become a medium? Because, you know, according to what you said, you know, most of these people have regular day jobs, but is it something that's like in the family, uh, by your bloodline? How does one become a medium to do these well, things? There's different ways. The Traditionally, in, in Chinese culture, uh, be very often a child would be sick and the parent or grandparent would take them to the temple and would go up to the deity. And you can communicate with deities with two divination blocks, which are moon-shaped wooden blocks, which are flat on one side and concave on the other side. And if you lift the blocks and throw them on the ground, they either land two flat sides down, two round sides down, or one up, one down. And one up, one down means yes, and two round sides, rounded sides facing down, or two flat sides facing down means no. And so they would literally go to a deity, and they would uh, introduce themselves with their name and their address and their date of birth. They said, look, my, my, my son is sick. Will you heal my son or my, my daughter or whatever? And drop the blocks on the floor. And uh, if the blocks say yes, that's fine. If the blocks say no, they would then add another condition. For example, will you heal my son or my daughter if I come here and offer you a, a chicken to eat every week or whatever it may be? And if they still get another no, I, I guess... It would get to the stage they might say, well, look, will you heal my son or daughter if they become your spirit medium and you can possess their bodies for a period of one year or two years or three years and they keep going up and up and up until they get a yes. And then assuming the child is actually cured completely and quickly, they have then entered into a contractual agreement with the deity they they address for their, for their child to become a spirit medium for them. That's a traditional way, but more recently it's become uh, more of a family business. And the way that that is um, rationalized is that spirit mediums have what's called a spirit medium bone, which is an invisible bone next to the collarbone. Um, and they claim that this can be passed down genetically. Uh, so there's different ways. I did actually try becoming a Chinese spirit medium myself back in 2011. It was at my, one of my research temples for my PhD thesis in Singapore. And it was supposed to be a, a private session with just the temple owner who's a spirit medium, his wife. They both uh, channel uh, underworld deities and Buddhist bodhisattvas as well. And a few helpers, but of course the the, the wife texted her friend this crazy white guy is going to try and become a spirit medium tonight. And and a friend texted two friends who texted two more. And I ended up in like stripped down to my underpants in a, in a huge throne, trying to get possessed by a deity with 200 people taking photographs of me, which was really off-putting. So I did actually try and become a spirit medium myself, um, unfortunately unsuccessfully. Um, but it wouldn't stop me trying again in the future, I guess. Truth is stranger than fiction, which is why I've used that as my my name on uh, uh, on foundation. Truth is stranger than fiction because I have so many stories to tell about my adventures researching that they're, they're the kind of things that could never be made up. It certainly is, and um, 
I also want to ask you about, I've got a pinned tweet up there. You met the former president of Taiwan and the founder of the Museum of World uh, Religions. Wow, what an honor. So what this tells me is that you're, you're, you're very respectful. You know, a lot of tourists and people or um, even uh, academics are not very respectful of the local people and what they're doing, and they're just very um, ethnocentric. However, um, the fact that you met them and you were in their presence tells me that you are otherwise. You are respectful. You, um, you know, you've done this, and for you to get to that point, uh, what was that like? Well, in my book, I make it very clear that I'm not like other anthropologists. Uh, my book was published by Manchester University Press, which is a very highly regarded press, and the best of my knowledge, it's the first book ever published by an academic press based entirely on interviews with people who are already dead because every interview in the book is actually with someone being channeled through a spirit medium. Um, and it is because I respect the local people. But that particular story has a more interesting background story. Once again, truth is stranger than fiction. I was in Taiwan in 2002, and my mother came to visit me. My mother was in her, her 70s, and we rented a car, and I took her for a, a tour of Taiwan. And my mother was vegetarian, and on the way back, she was hungry, and we had a long drive. Couldn't find a vegetarian restaurant. I stopped at every restaurant and said to the people, do you have vegetarian? They're like, no, we don't. And eventually, I came to a restaurant, and it was full of Buddhist monks and, and nuns. And I was like, well, this is definitely going to be vegetarian if there's monks and nuns there. And so I got my mom out of the car in the rain, went in there. And it turned out there was a very, very famous monk, the monk in the photo. He has a following of about three and a half million people. He has one of the fourth biggest monastery in Taiwan. And one of his nuns came over and uh, who spoke English and invited me and my mother to come and join him. And he said hello to my mother. And the first thing he said to me was, I know you. And I, I said, I'm sorry. You absolutely don't know me if I'd ever met you before. You're not the kind of person I would forget because he's a huge, huge monk in his beautiful red robes. And he goes, no, I mean, I remember you from a past life. And so this monk remembered me from a past life, which I have no memory of myself. And from the day that he met me, he treated me with, with ridiculous respect. And anyway, he was conducting a ritual in the national stadium, the national sports bay stadium in a city called Taoyuan. Uh, it was a, a ritual for the dead, once again, during Ghost Month. And at the time, uh, well, still, uh, politicians use the four biggest monasteries to canvass for voters, because if a monk supports a particular politician, uh, the monk's followers will also vote for that politician. And it was, it was quite funny, if you look at the photo, you can see the president has a bodyguard behind him looking very pissed off because I just literally walked in the room and this monk completely ignored the president of Taiwan, turned around and gave me a massive hug and started chatting with me. And the president was just left there doing nothing, which was quite funny. And someone took the photograph on my camera. And so that's the, the backstory behind that. Uh, once again, truth is stranger than fiction. 
That's an incredible story. Oh my gosh. That is an incredible story. Well, you know, that just goes to show you, you just never know what you're going to do. And you know what? I know what you mean about uh, finding vegetarian places. I've been a vegan since 2014 and it is a difficult thing. Um, I always try to travel with uh, nuts and pistachios and snacks because a lot of times that that's all I have. I went to Canada for my son's birthday for a week and that's all I was able to eat. We were staying at the Fairmont and they did not have, and I also have a gluten allergy. So it isn't just being vegan. I can't consume. So even if they can't just make noodles for me, unless they're gluten-free. So I, I understand about those restrictions and, uh, and I'm glad that you were able to um, not only find good food, but have that amazing experience. Um, let's move forward with your other. I have a question. I've pinned up uh, some of your work I collected on um, uh, the red ants. And so you've, you've got a couple of different collections of ants. And one of them uh, is, is like really blown up and beautiful. And uh, there is no AI. Um, it's called Anti Rooms Into the Cosmic. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so what got you interested in these ants? Well, um, the ant in the temple two very different things and they're two interests i love photography i've been taking photographs since i was about six years old since i was old enough to hold a camera and i love macro photography and i was searching around with my new camera and macro lens i was working in singapore for four years and there's nothing alive in singapore everything is dead because the government sprays so much pesticide on every square meter of ground it kills everything um, they do it because they're trying to wipe out den dengue fever from mosquitoes. And I was walking along the canal, I actually found a red ant's nest. And so I, I got bitten hundreds of times at ants all over me, but I just set my camera up uh, 2.5 centimeters from the ants climbing up and down the tree and it photographed individual ants in macro. And uh, I was using a macro lens, which has two times magnification. And when you then blow that up to monitor size, you're looking at about 2,000 times magnification. But then I, I digitally magnified them again. So the actual magnification on the ants goes up to about 20,000 times. As I'd actually have individual pieces of ant skin, maybe two millimeters square. And if you look at the third picture in that set, you can see the, the background, which is really amazing if you click on the picture, is actually red ant skin. You can see little tiny hairs on the ant skin, and they're, they're, they're huge. They're actually, ant hairs magnified about 20,000 times. Um, my next book is called Fortune Money, Money God Temples in Taiwan. And this is actually a money god temple. The god sitting on the roof is called Tudigong, who's one of many gods of wealth. And it's a very local phenomenon only in Taiwan where people actually go to the temples and they say to the money god, will you give me some lucky money? And the system set up so the god always says yes. Once again, you use divination blocks. And just on probability, if you throw the divination block six times, it's, it's almost impossible not to get one yes. And so people borrow the money from the temple. Uh, maybe for example one us dollar or five us dollars or up to maybe 20 us dollars and it's, it's based on trust with the promise they'll go back and pay the pay the money back with interest and for doing that the money god will will intervene in their lives and bring them some good fortune in any area of their lives they consider important 
And the most famous of these temples is called uh, Zunangong. It's in central Taiwan. They get about 16 million visitors a year. So that's 8 million people borrowing money, 8 million paying back. And they lend out about 20 bucks a time. And so if you imagine you've got 8 million people paying back minimum 20 bucks interest on the original loan, um, this temple is, is making about 20 million US dollars a year. Some people pay back a lot more. It's actually quite big business and it's fascinating. For me, it's not the monetary side that's fascinating. It's the the idea of whether or not we have free will. If you have free will, how can borrowing fortune money, how can the God change your destiny? How can God, God change what's going to happen to you just because you borrowed fortune money if you have the free will to make your own decisions? So I'm writing a book about free will, and it was inspired by Money God Temples. So I do a full anthropology of Money God Temples. Uh, pretty much like my first book, I look up the complete history of Money Gods going back uh, 1,500 years up to modern times. I looked at all the ritual, different ritual ways of borrowing from different temples. And I just decided to get artistic because I love my macro photos of ants. So I decided to combine the money gods. Uh, the first picture would be like water, my friend, as a self-portrait on top of, on top of the money god temple. Combine the, the magnified ants with, with money gods. The other two pictures, one has purple faces that's owned by someone called Art Indigo, who's an amazing AI, AI artist, one of my favorites. And there's one other one there. And the picture, you can see uh, uh, a face. The face is actually, um, he's called the, the underworld tiger god. He's only, only worshipped in one temple in Malaysia in a place called Klang, which is the original capital of world capital of Malaysia, and he's the underworld tiger god. I just love putting him together with the ants in a more science fiction kind of a context. And so that kind of explains the full set of pictures. That's great. And, um, you know, the Catholic Church uh, is one of the richest, uh, biggest property holders in the world. So uh, the business of the gods and religion is big business. And, um, you know, here in the U.S., uh, you know, they, they have benefits of not paying taxes. And um, so without getting into po the political stuff, uh, it's pretty clear that if you're in the God business, um, it's very profitable and, um, and people <laughs> believe it. So, um, Absolutely. And by the way, um, I did collect uh, the red ants um, in Singapore on the Tezos blockchain, and then um, the local deity. There, you talk, you know, there was a local deity, uh, black and white, that I also collected. Um, uh, is that the same deity that you're, we were just talking about, or is that something different? I'm not sure which one you collected. If it was black and white, it was probably Tuapet Gong. Um, <clears throat> Tuapet Gong is, is is not a money god, but he has a very similar rank to the deity on this temple is a local um, protective deity of a, of a small area. And the, the difference is Tudigong in this folder. Uh, in these NFT is a deity from mainland China who predates Taoism. He predates Buddhism. He goes right back to the very, very early dynastic times as a, as a god of soil and harvests. And of course, when you live in an agricultural society, a good harvest as well. That's how you have the connection. The one, the one that you collected uh, was when the Chinese people uh, fled the Qing Dynasty at the end of the Ming Dynasty. That would be 1642. 
uh, the year 1642, uh, Ming loyalists fled to Southeast Asia to avoid persecution by the Qing dynasty. And they wanted a slightly different land god um, from the older ones. And, and they deified the earlier settlers who were successful business people or, or protectors or warriors. And they became individual Tuapekong, uh, protecting individual areas. So it's the same class of deity, but the deity actually has a different history. Thank you. I'm uh, I'm also um, really happy that I picked up uh, some of these other ones. Um, you know, the burn in hell, the underworld deity <laughs> being sent back to hell in flames. That that's a, that that's a good one. And then the god of matchmakers. I had to collect that one. My mother was one of the greatest matchmakers in the community. She got invited to a lot of weddings. And I've actually uh, been a matchmaker, too. There's four marriages that I helped uh, get together. And so I had to collect that one as well. And uh, the one is, um, what in hell? Singapore's most popular god straight from hell called Diapak. And I, I like the green. Yeah, Diapak. Thank you. I like the green and, and just the different. And, um, and of course, just regular old um, photojournalism that you do, uh, the IT professionals, home cooking. There are many IT professionals living in Singapore, and uh, the gentlemen are vegetarians and cooking delicious food. So I love your black and white. I love your color photography. Yeah. You're an incredible artist and a collector. And, um, and and then, of course, uh, you, you also do some AI work. You've got a collection Ooh. of some dope artworks uh, on foundation. Um, so tell us about your AI journey journey because that that's really interesting <laughs> for me please go ahead well, i mentioned a couple of other people do you know uh, um an artist called at sourcebook he's quite yes. well known yes definitely he, he he actually bought the picture of the two indian gentlemen cooking their vegetarian and he's an ai artist one of the few ai artists that inspired me there's a few there's another one uh, captain is an amazing AI artist. Uh, a lot, a lot of people from from the the tourist hour, amazing. And so uh, when when AI started, I started playing with it, but in a more playful way. And um, well, everyone likes to smoke. I can't say everyone likes to smoke weed, but most of the people I know I know do. I just love the idea of having animals um chewing and munching and, and smoking on 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 gander in the jungle it appealed to my sense of humor but it is not really my serious art that was that was a fun few people have collected them i've had, had a few collected um yeah they're just fun pictures uh i've decided to stop working with ai I find traditional methods far more satisfying like magnifying the ants and the money god was about 16 hours work it wasn't typing in cues actually done with maybe 50 layers in photoshop uh meticulously blended together and magnified to different proportions etc etc each amp was done individually and uh, if i have the time i i, I generally prefer that maybe I, maybe i should get more up to date and work more with ai um but my ai work is actually very limited to very playful subjects well, that's wonderful. Um, at this time, I'd like to open up the floor to questions for you. And um, and, and Dr. Graham, if you could please uh, mute your mic so that um, we don't have the background noise. Um, does anybody have any questions for Dr. Graham or comments? Fred, anybody? I'm, I'm speechless. I've, I've, all the stories he's told and the spirituality he's involved with, 
it's really impressed me. Um, the other thing I can think of is, is has he actually seen any spirits? He's been into these events where he's spoken to mediums, but has he actually seen any spiritual proof? Has he, has he been able to witness anything that he knows as a spirit? Uh, well, the thing about proof of things which are invisible, uh, they're really faith-based. And I work with the philosophy of whatever anyone believes in and believes to be true is real and true for the person that believes in it. Uh, I've had many experiences of, of spirits and ghosts, um, but I can only say they're subjective experiences because I experience them subjectively. I can't say that because I experienced it that that is proof that the thing is real. It could have been my imagination. I could be delusional. I could be bi bipolar schizophrenic. I'm not, but I, I could be. Um, but spirit mediums in Chinese religion are as common as vicars and priests in Christianity. There's literally 10,000 in Singapore, another 10,000 in Taiwan, and they all totally accept they're being possessed by the spirits of deities. And in Chinese religion, the majority of deities are dead humans. They're, they're, they're humans who are very meritorious or led very special lives. Uh, and after they died, someone made a statue of them uh, and worshipped them, and the person who worshipped them got good luck or got what they requested. Then the, the reputation spread and they became more famous and more people worshipped them. And so it's not for me to say that anyone's belief is correct or incorrect. Um, but for example, in one instance, uh, a spirit medium who was possessed by a, one of Hell's policemen my, my book is about, offered to take me on a journey to the underworld. It was actually quite spooky. It was on my 50th birthday. And uh, I was sitting inside a circle of blood on the floor uh, with this hell deity in front of me. Uh, there were candles lit all around me. And he basically, I, I went into a, a semi-trance or trance state. And before I knew it, I, I, I just felt I was surrounded by a huge towering inferno of flames. And my, my logic was going, Fabian, it's just the candles. But, but I was felt like I was surrounded by, by flames. And out of the flames came two incredibly gruesome, fanged, ugly faces looking at me. And then the next thing I know, I'm back in my body again and awake. I'm like, wow, what the heck was that? And the spirit medium goes, oh, I, uh, we, I could only take you as far as the door to the underworld. The, the door guards wouldn't let you in. And so that was the door guards, apparently, I was seeing. Um, I have been followed home from a graveyard by a spirit. I was on my motorcycle in Taiwan. And they have some of the biggest graveyards in the world, and they're beautiful, they're wonderful, they're built on hillsides, and I love motorcycling, so I'm riding my bike through. And I go into one little area of the graveyard, and the history of Taiwan in 1948, the previous dictator, Chiang Kai-shek, brought his army after being defeated by Mao Zedong and the communists to Taiwan. And they, they cracked down on anyone that, that, that um, was against them. There was an incident called the 228 incident, 28th of February incident, 1948. And a few thousand innocent people were murdered by the administration. And they were buried in the same burial plot. Now, I didn't, I knew the history, but I didn't know there was a burial plot for them. I just drove my motorcycle right into it and thought, this one feels really different. It's got a really scary vibe. And so I got off my motorcycle 
and uh, I started taking pictures. And then I got back on my bike and I was on my way home and I got colder and colder and colder. Uh, by the time I got back to my bedroom, my body temperature, my skin felt like ice. Uh, I got into my bed and I covered myself in a duvet, I put an electric blanket and I carried on getting colder and I was terrified I was going to die. And about a year ago, a year before, a hell deity had written a talisman. That's where they, they're possessed by the deity and they put the deity's energy into ink, which is written on a piece of paper. And I had actually scanned my talisman onto my computer. And I was so cold, I was delirious. And I thought maybe this talisman was bringing these, whatever it was, some spiritual entity back to my house. So uh, I opened the talisman. Uh, and the second the talisman was open, I looked at it and I deleted it. And within a minute, my body started warming up. Five minutes later, I was completely normal again. And I thought, my God, it was that, that evil talisman from that evil hell deity. And then the next day, I turned my computer back on and the first thing I saw was a talisman. It pinned itself to my desktop. It hadn't deleted itself at all. And I, and I phoned up the spirit medium and said, you'd never guess what happened last night. And he goes, yeah, my, my talisman saved your life. It was my talisman that told those spirits to go back to their graves. And this this is just a skim off the top, you know, of my spiritual experiences or scary experiences. I could I could probably talk for an hour on, on, on numerous of them. There's, there's just a couple that immediately jumped to mind. Fantastic. In fact, I, I, I really... When you told me about the talisman, I thought straight away I knew he was going to save you. And um, no, I, I found that very fascinating. I'm glad you, you, you spoke about that. Later, if you get a chance, I actually um, have out-of-body experiences with my heart, heart, heart condition. So um, I definitely do believe in spirits and what you've experienced is definitely an energy which I felt. So thanks for telling us that. Excellent. Many thank you as well. That's an incredible story. Holy cow. Um, I definitely uh, believe that there are things we can't explain. You know, I, I have a background in science, so I've actually worked in a lab. I have scientific uh, training. However, I believe that just because we can't graph it or quantify it, it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Uh, science just has not developed enough to be able to measure these other realms and these other things that are happening. So, um, and, and also science can only talk about things that are repetitive, right? But most things in existence only happen once. So, so our current scientific methods are very limited. And, um, and like you, uh, I, I've had a few spooky experiences as well. I, um, some people are more sensitive to these energies uh, and, uh, you know, whether they're being followed by spirits or entities, or if you go in a place where something happened, um, if I stay somewhere, like uh, we were on vacation and, uh, and, and, and the room we slept in, I had nightmares all night of a murder taking place. And the next day I found out that somebody was actually murdered in that room. And so there's definitely uh, proof that, you know, even the police use um, people, psychics and things for trying to find clues to solve crimes. So I see some hands up and uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and uh, give the mic to um, Nine Point Nuns. If I pronounce your name wrong, I apologize. Please go ahead. 
Hi, Sunny. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, Dr. Graham, let me just begin by saying that I feel such an incredible resonance to your work, and it's been an absolute pleasure getting to know about it. I will definitely be following you more closely in the future. Uh, what I mean, the work that you do is really critical, and for me, it's of uh, it's quite important from two different perspectives. Uh, firstly, I'm from uh, the southern state called Kerala in India. And I come from a long lineage of goddess worshippers who believe, uh, who practice certain sort of trance-based and occult uh, uh, religious rituals, you know. So I've been uh, witness to some of those firsthand. Uh, and, you know, they, they've really had quite an influence on uh, uh, the spiritual perspectives that I hold in life. And secondly, I've, uh, I've when I was in university, I majored in culture studies, a lot of that involved uh, anthropology and uh, courses in sociology. and I do know that there is a certain reticence among the academic co community to deal with the occult, to deal with uh, uh, you know topics around the esoteric, which for a lot of it do constitute most of what would form a spiritual practice in a lot of part, uh, a lot of parts of the world. You know, so I do feel that the work that you're doing is really quite important, and especially the the uh, the aspects of it that you grapple with, which. Uh, uh, kind of deviate from the general norm of academia, which is to um, sort of sideline these uh, more fringe practices and focus more on a certain homogenous, uh, um, uh, let's say, a group of beliefs and morality. Absolutely. Which if, Please go ahead. Yeah. So, uh, you know, in my opinion, that is one of the big tragedies of our day when it comes to studying uh, the spiritual practices in the in the in uh, in the East primarily, you know, because you find that a lot of it is really rooted in the occult. And even in India today, I find one of the greatest tra tra tragedies of what is going on is a homogenization of our spiritual beliefs. Um, whereas actually, if you go to look at Hinduism, there is a lot of, uh, there are a lot of things that fall within uh, the, that, that are quite taboo, you know, that the Western world isn't really quite ready to grasp at fully. And we're, um, uh, the, it, it's kind of like there are two different paths that you would find in Indian spirituality. One is the right-hand path and one is the left-hand path. And the left-hand path is what deals more with the occult and the demonic and spirits and so forth, you know. And you do find that there is a lot of reluctance to deal with that. So uh, it's it's really encouraging to find researchers, accredited researchers, who are delving into these uh, shadowy realms and shadowy topics. Uh, thank you. I, I agree with everything you said. Um, I love India, and my I, I was very much an atheist uh, growing up, um, very much an atheist, until I had my first spiritual experience, and that was when I met my first Indian guru. So it was actually I got into religion originally through an Indian guru uh, called Prem Rawat, Guru Maharaji, and I've spent about two years in India. I, I love the place, and you're you're absolutely right about what you say about academia. I think it's because I went into academia when I was already in my 40s. Uh, I wasn't like fresh from university going BAMA, PhD. I had a real life before renting academia. And so I had a far more open mind than most academics. But you're, you're absolutely correct. And I have total respect for the, the Hindu religion and in, in all of its facets. Thank you for sharing your perspective. Uh, please go ahead. You have a comment. Oh, no, I just wanted to say thank you for taking the time to be with us over here today. And it's been really great getting to know your work. And I won't take up any more of your time. I'm sure a lot of the other listeners have comments and questions as well. 
uh, it's been really quite enlightening and uh, uh, you know it, this i mean as much as i have studied to some degree the esoteric practices in india i wasn't really aware of the chinese worship of the underworld and the underworld gods and it, it, it is quite uh, there there are a lot of similarities with some of the practices that you find in cultures across uh, the eastern world you know so uh, thank you again for uh, you know sharing your work and it it's been a it's been a real pleasure thank thank you for listening but I, and the thing to remember with chinese religion is it's very huge amount probably 60 to 70% is actually based on it on indian religion uh what happened was with buddhism it was imported into china in the first century uh that was after the third great buddhist council which took place in kashmir that's where the idea of bodhisattvas like guan guanying were was that were actually invented and the new sutra was written and so there was a school of taoism called the lingbao school of taoism and Taoism and Buddhism were historically in competition with each other, and Taoism just realized that the Indian Buddhism had better ideas, and so they incorporated the idea of karma, uh, reincarnation, uh, judgmental on the world, etc., 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 from from Indian Buddhism. And so a lot of Chinese religion actually is based on uh, Indian Buddhism, and of course, Buddha himself was. Uh, Okay. <laughs> came from a Brahmanistic background. He, he would have been in, in the age of early Brahmanism. And so his ideas were actually taken from, from Brahmanism, which came from Vedism. So if you trace Chinese religion's earliest origins, they're actually in, in the Indus Valley in the north of India. Uh, not many people, especially Chinese, would actually uh, actually know that. And if they do know it, they'll probably deny it. But that that's the actual history, which is fascinating. You know, it's it's really interesting that you mentioned that because uh, from whatever I've studied about, uh, you know, uh, Hinayan Buddhism and especially the earlier forms of Buddhism around sixth century BC in India, uh, which you know kind of coincided with the second wave of urbanization in ancient India. What I, I mean, it is my opinion that in in a lot of ways it was it was sort of a spiritual rebellion against the Brahmanical hegemony which pervaded the Indian society at that time. You know. And uh, it was it was it was kind of sticking the finger to the religious authorities who kind of held a lot of power at that point, uh, because you did see a lot of prosperity at that period, and you'd see you saw the trader community also rise up, the uh, the the royal community, the warrior communities also rise up quite a bit, you know. And I, I, while I know that Buddhism completely, totally, and completely tries to surpass all of this, and uh, you know, hit at something much deeper than that, which is just, uh, you know, the primal state of being that it uh, tries to encapsulate. Uh, but I do feel that in some ways it was a direct, uh, you know, spiritual revolt against the Brahminical hegemony of the day. So I just wanted it, to add that. It was, and the, the proof of that is that the Buddha made all of his followers shave their heads because Brahmin priests were not allowed to cut their hair. And so once they cut their hair to become Buddhists, they can never go back to Brahmanism again. So it was very much rebellion against Brahmanism of the time. It's fascinating. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, thank you again, and I will step down now so that somebody else can, you know. Uh... Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, your input was very valuable. And I see a hand up. Uh, we have a new person I have not met before. Samosa Rani, um, welcome to our space. Uh, please introduce yourself. Go ahead and tell us uh, if you have any comments or questions. I do. I do. Thank you so much. Um, 
uh, yes, my art name is Samosa Rani, but uh, my name is Simran. And uh, Sandy Toes, yes, thank you. Um, I think we, this is the first time we're speaking, but I do know all of my friends are here. <laughs> and it's so good to uh, be here. And thank you, Fred and uh, Kunal. Um, yes, um, Dr. Graham, I have no clue when we started following each other, but I, I, I'm just in awe of you today because um, I'm a therapist and I'm an art therapist and I'm also studying uh, pranic healing. And I, this is my favorite subject. I mean, I can go on and on and on. Like I would, I'd probably just come in and turn <laughs> with you because uh, when you were talking about but energies and entities, um, I know for a fact because that's something that's I'm working on, and I have been um, rather experiencing it in the last couple of years in my life. Because once you know, once that part of that universe opens up, things surface and you have no idea how, you know, I mean, I'm sure you know, but this is for the other people. You have no idea. It's it's magical. And um, I, I just quickly want to tell you, because since you were talking about it, um, uh, you know, in Corona, I was going, I was doing a chakra healing uh workshop with one of my healers I was learning and there was a there was a particular pain that was bothering me on my shoulder and uh, this is in 2020 and uh, and and then she said uh, do you what 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 is it and I said I don't know and then she put me like you were talking about I did this she took me into trance and uh, something surfaced was that in 2014 I mean I visited Bhutan um this was a trip, this was a trek, and everybody went up a particular hill. And I said, no, I, I'd sit by the stream. I want to sit by the stream. And uh, I didn't know anything then because it was, you know, I, I, I just wanted to sit by the stream. I picked up some pebbles and I got home. And in 2020, while I was doing that, I realized that I picked up pebbles and it was fine. But at that same moment, while I was sitting there, in this trance, I saw that across the stream, there was a Buddhist monk's uh, uh, pyre being burnt. Uh, I don't know if, if I'm saying that right. But uh, yeah, and and uh, because he was just, nobody knew who he was, nobody knew where, what. And uh, that what, you know, it was just maybe just like a lost in, uh, and there was this old man who was there. So I saw all of this in that trance. And uh Believe it or not, most people don't believe it, but I, I, because of my study now that I have been studying pranic healing a lot with my healer, I've realized that uh, people find it scary <laughs> that oh the, these are like you mentioned when you when you spoke about uh, the symmetry and you know all of that. But I have now strongly learned and uh, believe that they follow us or they're with us in some sort of way because. They want help, and uh, I'm I'm an empath, and all my life I wondered why am I an empath because little things just break me down, like little small things, stories, and they get me excited or they make me really really happy or I just cry, and that's where uh, these energies possibly need us, and uh, I always say this like I. Um, I entered this space, you know, when I entered the space, I heard you speak about the ants. And uh, when uh, Sandy Toast said that it was on Tez, I immediately went up. In fact, 
I went and collected one of those uh, those red ant ones because I was listening to you and the story was fascinating. And I was like, wow, this is I, I really want this piece because what you said that Singapore is with, you know, with all their cleaning and all that stuff. But in some way or the other, I think uh, it is this this these energies or these entities that help us grow, at least for me, my art has grown at a completely different level because I have learned to accept them and rather learn a lot for them and let go. I know after after that trance when I did that and you know I also did a certain sort of hypnotic uh, you know process that pain just faded away. Like you said that fever of yours just faded away and it, these are not uh, they're not here to harm us. They're just helpless who just kind of latch on to us in some way or the other because they 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 just need someone to listen to them i mean for the lack of words it's in some simple ways so i know of course I, whatever i said is maybe you already know but i just thought that i should come and share this with you because um i'm just I, you have no idea i'm just so happy i've i've had a crazy day but i'm so charged now because after listening to you for the last 15-20 minutes, I'm just so happy. And uh, thank you for this. And um, Sunny Toes and Fred, thank you so much for this. This this was, uh, this is, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm smiling and I'm just so happy. And my heart is really, really blooming. So, um, yeah, thank you so much, Doctor. This was such a pleasure. Uh, thank you for listening. It's my pleasure too. And thank you for sharing. Thank you so much for coming and sharing. Again, we today we have a special guest, Dr. Fabian Graham, anthropologist, author, NFT artist, and a collector. And so um, I'd like to ask you a question, uh, Dr. Graham. What do you look for? Uh, you have a, a variety of uh, tastes when collecting NFTs. So I'm just curious, so what is it uh, that, you know, shines to you and i know you've collected some of my work the fantastical animals that's how i got to know you and uh do you want to just tell us a little bit about um what kind of art you like to collect yeah unfortunately i i, I have completely the wrong criteria for when it comes to business i'm i'm absolutely terrible at business and i, I would love to be able to flip nfts and make some money but my, I have one single criteria, and my taste ranges everything from AI to hand-drawn to skulls to architecture to, to fantastical creatures. The more fantastic and cute, the better. My, my only question I ask before I buy an NFT is, would I like to have this uh, printed uh, poster size, 1.5 meters tall and half a meter wide or a meter wide and have it on my living room wall. And if I like a piece enough to actually put it on my living room wall and I can afford it, <laughs> I will collect it. I'm, I'm addicted to collecting. And it's those pieces I, I, I love so much. I, I want to have them on my wall. Uh, it's not for any other reason. It can be uh, so many different styles I love. Uh, it's just when a piece touches you. It, it's, I just bought recently as a guy called Squirreltology, and he does these AI pictures of squirrels in different historical contexts. I think they're absolutely hilarious, and I, I'd happily have a, a, a row of four of those in my study. So that's my criteria. Is it something I put on my own wall? What do you think? 
I think that's great. Uh, people collect art for different reasons. Um, and, and like you, I'm not a big flipper. Um, I collect because I like to collect art. And uh, I've actually never pulled any money out, um, except when I'm donating to Cure GM1. Most everything I do, I just, you know, take more money out of my pocket and uh, collect the art. Because I think that, you know, in a few years to come, no matter, you know, what the prices are, you're you're going to be able to see the value of this because, you know, you and I are not going to be around, uh, you know, 80 years from now, 100 years from now. And I think that, you know, we're all the uh, the Salvador Dali's, the Van Gogh's of, you know, the NFT world. And um, and I think it's, uh, it's not a big deal. But you know what? Uh, power to the people who know how to flip NFTs and do all that. But uh, I'm an artist. And like you, I focus on my art. And uh, I'm, I'm also a community builder, you know, like what we're doing today. I think uh, I'd like to focus on um, highlighting the great artists in the space and what they're doing and recording in their own words, their journey. And so today's space has been so valuable. Um, does anybody else have any questions or comments for Dr. Graham? Please go ahead, Kunal. Uh, unmute yourself. Please go ahead. Yeah, um, Dr. Graham. Oh my God, it's 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 uh, very inspirational for me just to just to listen to you because it's so so exciting, so interesting the kind of work you do. Um, especially when you told that you you come from Saint Saint Martin's, it was my dream to study there. Uh, so I also come from a design school. Uh, so it is really exciting to see you grow like this. Oh my God, it's very exciting, and especially your 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 works around all these cultures and tribes and studying this eroticism and uh, esoteric cultures and traditional practices. It's very exciting. Coming from India, I also know uh, tribes and communities who practices all those uh, very, very um, almost dark sort of uh, uh, body manipulations and and this uh, sort of uh, opening portals and all because I've also seen myself in a lot of auspicious rituals uh, where they do uh, where they kind of summon those goddess or gods in their own bodies um, so I, I've seen those sort of practices so it's really exciting for me just to hear all those things you said and those stories are really really fascinating so thank you so much no, it's a pleasure. I, I think that these practices are fairly universal and not just uh, belong to the world of the East. You also have your spirit mediums in the West. One of the most interesting experiments done in the West was with a group of spirit mediums, and they decided to invent a, invent a character. And they invented a man. They gave him a family. They gave him a personality. They got an artist to draw uh, a portrait of him. Everything was documented. Uh, they gave him a profession. They basically created an entire personality of someone who was living in the 14th century. And one day they were <clears throat> they were having a seance, and he arrived. <laughs> so the, the, it brings up the question of did they actually create this character therefore he could attend the seance in spirit or was he actually a real person already existing in spirit the influence of people to create him is a very fascinating question i would put the same question forward for any religion uh religions are obviously man-made but that doesn't 
necessarily mean the deities weren't already there inspiring men to make the religion i think it works both ways and i think i think that's all very very fascinating thank you again and um kunal uh, i think you're a great artist i'm so glad you're here i picked up one of your works today and uh, one of fred's and i'm just going down the line looking at everybody's um profiles and i will continue to collect today and uh if anybody else would like to come up uh, and, and uh, share their thoughts or uh, have any questions, uh, we've been in the space for a little over an hour. And um, I, I think, uh, you know, uh, there's one more thing I'd like for you to talk about, um, which is your jewelry making. You, uh, If you want to speak about that. And Fred, you have a question. Please uh, go ahead and uh, ask your question. Okay. Before he goes into the jewelry, um, I just want to bring up a thing. I, I don't I actually did some research for a book that I was writing and I decided to have that Jesus wasn't the first time that Jesus had come to earth. And when I found out, I found out that it's actually the true. A lot of the religions, the ones that he's been talking about, I've been studied because they all believe in someone that came around the December 25, um, sun worship, all the rest of it, um, reincarnated. The whole Jesus story has been repeated in religions in the past. And I think the story that you just brought up about the person um, in the seance, um, they created and then, of course, it appeared. I believe that's how we all work. We are connected to the um, universal um, consciousness, universal energy, and that's how we get all this information. Because I was quite shocked when I found out that research my book, that there actually had been previous Jesuses, at, um, or the same story had repeated itself in many religions. Yeah, that, that's fascinating. And, uh, as I said earlier, uh, I'm very much of the opinion of whatever people uh, believe to be true is true for the person that believes in it. And uh, I will not argue with anyone's religious beliefs because they're as likely to be true as anybody else's religious beliefs. And so uh, thank you for sharing sharing the, the concept. It's fascinating. Thank you, Fred. And on that note about Jesus, um, a lot of people may not realize that um, the coming of Jesus was known for a long time. And the Zoroastrian people knew about this. You know, everybody in the West knows the story of the three wise men. Well, what they don't really know the details of is one of the three wise men was a high-ranking priest from the Zoroastrian temple. They studied the stars. They knew of coming of Jesus, and they went to greet him. So uh, this is you know, there, there, there's a miracle story associated with that of what happened when these three wise men went in the Persian culture. And actually, Marco Polo, in his travels, documented this because he went to the Zoroastrian temple. He wanted to talk to the priests about this, you know, the three wise men going. One of them was a Persian king. One of them was a Zoroastrian priest. So, uh, you know, whether, you know, Jesus has come before or people knew about it, it is very interesting that um, different cultures have their stories and their traditions. So um, thank you again for your comments. And uh, Dr. Fabian, uh, Fabian Grant, please tell us about your jewelry making and uh, your precious stones. Um, I'm, I'm curious about that because this is what you did for raising money as you did your travels uh, across uh, Africa and India. Uh, do you care to share about that? Yeah, it, it's another one of those truth is stranger than fiction stories. Um, 
I was in in Bangkok in 1989, and as one does, I was living in Khao San Road in a very dodgy little wooden guest house in those days. It's before it became a, a huge tourist destination. And I uh, came back very drunk one night, and there was a, a, a blonde girl sitting on her bed with the door open, and, and she was making jewelry, and so I knocked on her door, and she said, come in. I stumbled in with a bottle of Thai whiskey, and I said, oh, did you want some whiskey? And, and she pulled out a joint and said, hey, man, you, you want to smoke some of this? And I'm like, no, 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 I'm too drunk. She's like, no, I don't want any whiskey. And, and I watched her make jewelry a couple of times, and then I went back to Taiwan, um, and I stayed in Taiwan six months. And six months later, I came back to stay in the same hotel, and came back late one night, and the same girl was sitting on the same bed in the same room <laughs> making her jewelry. And I went in and was like, I can't believe it. You've been here this whole time. Uh, she said, don't be crazy. I've, I've been in Japan teaching salsa dancing for five months. I just got back. Uh, but the thing was, she was actually a, a heroin addict, which was rather sad. And, and she said, Fabian, can I ask you a favor? I'm like, yeah, sure. And she was like, well, Fabian, I'm actually a junkie. Can you help me get off heroin? And so I obviously agreed, and we got on really well. She's a nice English girl. And so I took her to one of the islands where there, I was told there were no drugs. And it, it took her seven days before she finally went to sleep. So for for six days and six nights, she was either boiling hot, and I would like cool her down with ice, or she was freezing cold, and I put blankets on and, and hug her to keep her warm. And eventually, I got her clean. And in return, she said, well, listen, Fabian, what I, what I will do is I'll show you up with a single piece of silver wire, uh, how to make it into a straight line, and how to make a circle on the end which won't come open. And then use your imagination, and from that, you'll learn how to make jewelry. And that's how I got started. And she completely changed my life. Because when I finished my traveling in 1994 and got back to England, I went to Central St. Martins, not because I was qualified to go to Central St. Martins. I went to see the head of the jewelry department uh, because her husband was teaching gemology, and I've been collecting rocks, minerals, and fossils since I was a kid. I've always loved them. And she gave me her husband's work address and said, well, go to his studio where he teaches, and if you don't like it, come back and see me. And his course wasn't really for me. And so I went back to see this this head of jewellery in Central St. Martins, and it's a r ridiculously pre prestigious school. It's like the Oxford and Cambridge of the art world in England. And she said, do you have any jewellery with you that you've made? So I took out five or six pieces. And she said, well, Fabian, where did you learn? I told her the same story about the junkie in a, in a room in Bangkok. And all I learned to do was how to make a piece of silver wire straight and make it closer. She was like, wow, if you can do this without ever having studied art, you could be really good. And the term had already started, the semester had begun, but one Japanese girl had dropped out and on the spot she said, do you want to take her place? And that's how I got into my jewelry design. And the point, the reason I'm telling this story is not to show off about St. Martin's or jewelry. It's to talk about defining moments. Sometimes a very, very, very small thing, just like being in that guest house and drunk that first night and stumbling into her room, I could not possibly have realized how much that would change my life. Because if I didn't graduate with a BA 
in jewelry design, I could not have gone on, on to my MA course in Taiwan studies. And without my MA in Taiwan studies, I could never have got into Cambridge University to study anthropology. And without my master's in anthropology from Cambridge, I could never have got into University of London to do my PhD. And I would not have NFT of spirit mediums, which we're, we're talking about now. And it's so important if you can actually recognize a defining moment in life as it's happening or very soon after it's happening, rather than having to wait 20 years and look back in retrospect is one of the great lessons I've learned in life from making jewelry. Um, it doesn't really answer your question, Sandy. I apologize, but I think that's actually a really interesting angle of looking at it from. Oh, on the contrary, Dr. Graham, it 100% answers my question and then some. And you bring up the point about... Um, being, uh, you know, recognizing where you are, you know, uh, I remember being younger and, uh, you know, still kind of like, in, you know, just very young and telling my mother, well, you know, when I grow up, you know, I, I want to marry this kind of a man and I want to do this and I want to do that. And she was getting ready to go to work and she was putting her makeup on. And so she casually just stopped and looked over at me. She said, you know, that's all fine and good that you have these plans and you have these wants and needs, but you know what? There's something to be said about destiny. And I believe that who we marry, who we make babies with, these are written in the stars. This is our destiny. So you will go through life and you will do what you will do. Of course, we have free will. But she believed that there's a lot that is out of our control that is already pre-planned for us. And I, I will have to just share that um, the person who's, you know, was my son's dad, um, when I first met him, uh, there were, we had this conversation and I, I just felt this strangeness, like, like a lightning bolt and this weirdness about me. And, and by the way, I didn't even like him at the time. He wasn't the type of person I would normally go on a date with. And then years later, we, we ended up, uh, we did have a baby together. So uh, there is something to be said about destiny and where you are. And, and if you had not, if you'd been judgmental, you, you know, you might not have ever gone into that uh, woman's room, uh, you know, you know, or, or wanted to deal with this addict. So uh, it was your goodness and your good intentions and your loving heart um, and, and to help this person, you know, through what they were going through. So uh, I do believe that, you know, just being kind and open and not being judgmental about people is a good way to go through life, which is what, what is what you've done. And like you said, one thing leads to another, and we don't really know uh, what our actions are going to do. So thank you so much uh, for um, sharing that with us. Um, now, I want to leave the room open to anybody that has any questions or comments. And if there's anything else uh, you want to add, uh, Dr. Graham, before we go on, um, is there anything else you'd like to share with us? Because I'd like to open up the room to other artists and uh, let them talk about their art. Absolutely. Let's hear from some other people. And thank you so much for hosting me. I really appreciate it lots. Absolutely. Wonderful. Um, so uh, is there anybody who would like to go first and talk about their art? Do you want to raise your hand? Because we are both collectors here and I've been collecting. Um, okay, I'm going to let my co-host go first. Uh, Fred, please take the mic and then we will go to Jenny. Uh, no, 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 I just thought no one's putting their hands up. Jenny, Samosa, and Ath, they can go ahead. I, I love what I've been hearing. 
Thank you so much for your uh, beautiful consideration. You are such a wonderful co-host. And by the way, everybody, Fred is doing uh, sort of an art review with Taztown, and he's kind of doing, um, you know, uh, showing art that Taztown has collected. So please follow Fred and look at his spaces because I definitely think it's worthwhile to go and do that. And Taztown's a wonderful community. Um, I love Taztown. Uh, I, I'm a big collector and I love participating in their events. So that being said, Jenny, please go ahead and tell us about your art. And um, at this point, it's okay to go ahead and pin up your art in the room. So please feel free to go ahead. Um, thank you, Sandy. I'm a, uh, I'm new to this uh, room, uh, but I have some friends here, and um, I just uh, talking about destiny. I just happened to be um, curious about the room, and I got in, and then I got hooked on, um, you know, the things that uh, you all were discussing about energy and um, energy healing and destiny and all sorts of things. Um, can you please help me pin up my pin tweet because Twitter doesn't let me do that for some reason. Um, meanwhile, I'll, I'll just do that share. for you. Thank you. I got you, honey. It's already pinned up. Thank you, Fred. I will let you do that for the next artists. You're a wonderful co-host. So I pinned Thank up you. your uh, tweet. Uh, please go ahead, Jenny. Yeah. So I want to start uh, from the beginning of my journey. I'm a, a gallery artist. I've been exhibiting for 27 years now. And I happen to have a big solo show on at uh, in Mumbai. And um, so how I started was that, um, uh, you know, I because of some personal problems, I was extremely stressed and um, um, I started looking for uh, solutions to that. And then I found this meditation teacher and I learned uh, to meditate by a technique called transcendental meditation, which was uh, pioneered by Maharshi Mahesh Yogi, who also taught the Beatles. Um, and, um, you know, as I was learning, uh, every time I asked my teacher questions, she would say, uh, you just meditate. And uh, Jenny, did we lose you? Can you hear her? No, I can't hear her. And she's, she's rugged. I'm sorry, Jenny, you are rugged. Please go to listener and then come back up. You got rugged. Okay, uh, who wants to go next while we get Jenny back up here? Uh, did somebody else want to go ahead? And uh, okay, uh, I see your hand, uh, nine point ninth. Please go ahead. Thank you, Sandy. Um, so uh, before I go into putting up my work, if if I could just comment on what you said, Doctor Leo, Doctor Graham, about the uh, the experiment with the seance and the Western mediums who uh, you know try that experiment and the very interesting questions that it posed uh, i mean if that's all right you know because I, I know that people are waiting in line to uh, put up their work oh please go ahead yeah so from uh, my limited knowledge and experience with this what i understand is that entity creation is a very real thing in western occultism and especially the hermetic philosophy of alchemy uh, in fact i think uh, what dr jung had to say about it is that Essentially, it's basically you projecting a part of your psyche and your consciousness onto an archetype. And uh, there are practices in uh, uh, alchemy, in the alchemical tradition, where uh, essentially if you're fa facing some blockage in your life, you're facing a problem, so there's something 
within yourself that you want to resolve that you uh, kind of drop the archetype and you project uh, that energy onto that, you know, and it acts as a crucible for all those, uh, those energies that are influencing your life. And then you can sort of do a banishing ritual to uh, kind of uh, expel that from your life. And I've tried this to, uh, you know, in certain instances with varying degrees of success. So it kind of brings to, uh, to question, you know, what is reality and where does this, what is the relationship between this liminal space and our imagination? And for a lot of it, it seems to be that there, there are, uh, you know, great ties between them. Uh, yeah. I, I can give you a very specific answer to that from a uh, perspective of the new book I'm working on, on free will. And that is... Uh-oh. Uh, I can't hear Dr. Graham. Is anybody else able to hear him? I can't no. either. Okay, Dr. Graham, you're getting rugged. Nobody can hear you. Uh, go down to listener and come back up again. And in the meantime, let's go back to Jenny. Welcome back. Jenny, go ahead and unmute yourself. Please go ahead. Continue. Okay, am I getting rocked? Can you guys hear me? Somebody give an we can, hear, we can hear you fine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I think Jenny got rugged again. And uh, she left the space, so hopefully she'll come back. All right. Um, who wants to go next and share their art? Is Samosa still with it? She put her hand up before. Yeah, I did. But is it okay if I go next? Is that fine? Yes, please go ahead. Go ahead and unmute yourself. Feel free to pin up anything in the room. Uh, and if you need help, let us know. We'll be happy to pin your work. The, um, as in, someone can go next and I'll go after them. That's what I meant. Sorry. <laughs> gotcha. Okay, I'm bringing Jenny back up as a speaker. So let's give her a chance to come back and see if she can uh, share with us. And I will send an invite uh, also to Dr. Graham, and uh, hopefully he will come back too. Okay, Jenny, can you hear us? Jenny, please unmute yourself and please try again. Okay, can you hear me? Please say yes or no. Hallelujah, you're back, girl. <laughs> yes, we can hear you. Great. <laughs> yeah. So, um, as I was saying, I was talking about my um, journey as an artist and how I got interested in um, the workings of energy. So, uh, you know, I started reading about um, uh, why meditation works. And I found out that, um, uh, you know, it's connected to particle physics. And it was fascinating because at the time I'd been reading a lot of uh, books on Indian philosophy. And uh, basically both of them said the same thing, particle physics as well as Vedanta, as it's called, uh, that all matter is energy and all energy is vibration. And uh, that led me to use uh, color in its very, very saturated form. Um, and I started using color as a form of vibrational healing, uh, working with the vibrations of the um, color. And then I studied um, color therapy um, and uh, did a lot of experiments with that in my art. Um, and um, that journey has continued because I now follow a um, biologist called Dr. Bruce Lipton. And uh, he, he talks about uh, how energy works on a cellular level. 
and how um, you know our thoughts affect our entire lives not just our health but uh, our entire lives and he talks about how we can reprogram um, our minds to change our lives uh, similarly there's uh, dr joe dispenza who's a neuroscientist he has been um, uh, you know making scans of uh, people while they are meditating and then researching on that and he's teaching uh, people how meditation can uh, you know change um, cha he's had miraculous results um, in terms of how people you know people with multiple sclerosis have just got up and started walking and things like that and um, it's a fascinating um, uh, study and you know we are really at the cusp of uh, big changes in the world uh, based on, on uh, these things. When uh, we go back into the uh, spiritual traditions, um, then we find that uh, this is a very basic thing which they said. They said that even thought is an action. So even thought has karma. And this is very interesting if you, if you are mindful of uh, keeping this in mind, um, it's difficult. But I think that's what the monks did. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to share that. And since then, I've been making uh, surreal work, which is uh, based in, in color. So I call them mind maps and things like that. This is the reason why I do that. Um, yeah. Oh, this is beautiful. I'm definitely going to get my wallet. I'm going to go check out your work. And I definitely believe colors have vibration. And, uh, you know, this thing you said about thoughts. One time I read about this uh, monk who locked himself up in a cave and um, or in a room. And for every bad deed he did, he would draw something, you know, a, a, you know make, a, make a mark on the wall. And then after that, he started marking every time he had uh, negative or bad thoughts, he would do that. So that's when I realized, because, you know, in the old days, I used to think, well, it doesn't matter what I think, it's, it's what I do. But now I realize that um, even thoughts have energy and are, you know, are in existence. So I'm going to respect uh, Dr. Graham's hand uh, and uh, let him speak. Please go ahead and unmute yourself. And thanks. I'm glad you were able to come back. Go ahead, please. Yeah. Um, uh... A suggestion that's from my, my upcoming book that addresses all the things that I the uh, I was kind of muted during so the original answer I was going to give, and that is about the difference between objective reality and the way it's perceived. We have to assume there is such a thing as an objective reality out there somewhere. Objective reality means something which basically is. The problem we find with humanity and every other sentient being is the only way that this objective reality can ever be experienced is subjectively, because we use our eyes, we use our ears, uh, we use our intelligence, we use our, our hands, we use all these different kinds of methods to 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 filter and perceive this this objective reality but all of them are subjective and so by the time the consciousness is actually made aware of anything external to the body the information that reaches the consciousness has already been subjectively filtered therefore even if there is an objective reality whether you're talking about colorful vibrations 
whether you're talking about spiritual experiences, they can only ever be experienced subjectively, which means even the way we look at a color will be different. No two people in this room will see the same color or the same work of art and see it identically because we're experiencing it subjectively. Um, there's actually no proof whatsoever that an objective reality exists, which I think is fascinating. I'm not saying it doesn't, but we can only prove it subjectively, which is, is, is fascinating. Wow, that, that's, that's, I couldn't have said it better. You're absolutely right. And by the way, they have done uh, studies of um, identical twins who share exactly the same DNA, right? And uh, these are twins that were separated at birth. And then as they became older, they did these studies. And so their environment and how they were treated and how they thought um, definitely made a difference. And so even if you are genetically inclined to have certain diseases, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that it'll happen. So th there's definitely a lot to be said about that. And um, I see a hand up. Uh, please go ahead, nine point Yeah, uh, thank you, Dr. Graham, for coming back up and you know clarifying that for me. I think this has been for a lot of it, uh, uh, the greatest sticking point that has caused you know, a growing skepticism towards the, the entire scientific method. I don't think you can actually say that the scientific method in itself is flawed because it's based on uh, you know, recording experience or phenomena, right? So, uh, in a sense, even a spiritual experience or spiritual practices are scientific in a certain way, in the sense that they are recorded. Um, well, maybe not recorded in the same way that you would do in a lab, but there are recorded experiences that uh, then form part of a collective wisdom that then you know translates into a tradition. Uh, however, at the same time, this the sort of Objective absolutism that's kind of that uh, the modern scientific community has become mired in seems to kind of uh, lead only to its own detriment. And when it comes to this, the, the, the topic of subjective realities and objective realities, I think that in the era of misinformation that we live in, it's, it's always interesting to ponder what is actually the objective reality. And somewhere, just all this, this entire miasma of fake news that we're surrounded by, I feel in a lot of ways has been pushing more and more people to. Uh, to re-examine what exactly is an objective reality and what is subjective. Now, so I think these these are very pertinent uh, topics and questions that are going to you know uh, kind of pervade the mainstream discourse more and more uh, in the coming years. Sorry. Thank you very much for your input. Um, Miss Jenny, uh, first of all, before you speak, uh, I just want to tell you I went to your link tree. And the link that you have for OpenSea is not working. I can't find your work on OpenSea because all it does is just take me to the general OpenSea market. Please fix oh. that link because okay. collect, collectors can't collect your work if we can't find it. And uh, please, uh, and, and go ahead and, uh, you know, whatever it is you're going to say, please go ahead and share with us. Yeah, thank you for telling me about that link. I'll fix it as soon as I can. So yeah, I wanted to uh, just uh, mention here or add here that uh, there have been experiments done in particle physics where, uh, you know, for example, there is uh, there are two holes in a box and they put one particle in and the particle may move through hole A if there is one observer while it may move through hole b if there is another observer so basically that uh, they did similar experiences which proved that all re all reality is actually subjective 
which is the same thing that um, uh, you know the spiritual traditions have always said um, so uh, they've always said that uh, life is not uh, as what as you see it but as you are so you you know the point of view the way you look at things actually changes um, uh, it is your perception that uh, pretty much creates your reality and uh, that's why they they say in fact um, uh, spirituality and science they they take very different routes science likes to prove things for spiritualists uh, the uh, experience is uh, what validates uh, their uh, thesis while science uh, takes proof and validates it that way so uh, either ways they come to the same point you know which is again a very fascinating thing uh, that's what i wanted to add thank you very much i really appreciate your input and i look forward to seeing your open sea link and samosa rani i just picked up uh sakshi the indian housewife oh your use of color is beautiful i'm going to go through your collection and check out some more of that um we have a new speaker up here at the at, at our panel um rohan um welcome to our space we um we were interviewing Dr. Fabian Graham, but now uh, we're going around the room and looking at each other's art. Um, please uh, unmute yourself, introduce yourself, and uh, tell us what you'd like. Yeah, thank you so much, uh, Sandy and Fred. Uh, I must say this was an absolutely wonderful room. Uh, and I did get to hear uh, everything that Fabian was talking about. and. Uh, it took me a while for me to raise my hand up and come up because a lot of things that he was talking about uh, hits home run for me. I, and I never speak about this uh, in an open space because of uh, the exact same reason that he mentioned because it's it's rather a taboo and it's frowned upon and it's just weird. And a lot of times I let go of it saying, ah, it's just a dream. Or it could be just a dream, but from out of body experiences. Uh, in fact, I've I've a lot of my pieces that I create are from visions. I cannot believe I'm saying this out in an open room like this, but a lot of them that I create are uh, visions. I've been told by a guru that I have the ability of clairvoyance, um, which. Uh, in which I, I so weird to say it, but I can essentially see dead people, uh, just to keep it very brief and short, and I can see energies, uh, which I am not happy with. Uh, so I do wear a talisman 24-7, and I never remove it uh, for, very, for the very same reason, and I, it's with me. Um, and I have multiple of them, um, in fact. So just in case, you know, I'm taking a shower or something and I have to remove one or I forget something happens. Uh, and I, I sort of cycle through every year because it's uh, based off of on a thread and it sometimes breaks. Uh, and they say that when it breaks, it's uh, energy is being used. And uh, every single time, uh, I, I don't live in India, I live in Sweden. So I have my dad go to him and he makes like a whole bunch of them and he sends it to me all the way to Sweden so that I can cycle through them when it breaks. 
to it so it's that to that extent uh so everything he said sort of hit home run for me and so it took me a while to gather up the courage to come and actually say this that a lot of stuff that i do are visions uh that i have and they're all a lot more inclined towards uh spiritual stuff uh and i underplay that quite a lot because of this very same reason but uh so yeah uh i just wanted to say uh to mr gram that uh i i i could relate to a lot of things that you said from being followed by ghosts to out of body experiences a lot of your journeys is probably what i'm sort of going through from a very spiritual perspective too uh so it was very inspiring um and it's also nice to know that i'm sort of not alone in a you know way i didn't really come up to pin up something but i just wanted to really say that uh this was an amazing room uh, it really was uh i can't pin up but i do want because i do want to take away anything from the room because i really enjoyed it um but yeah thank you so much uh sandy and fred i'll come back and i'll pin up next time around <laughs> well we are collectors i am collecting i don't know why you want to pass up on this opportunity and you're going to make me work extra to go to your profile and collect your work so that's okay um and by the way i really uh, i applaud you for having the courage to come up and share with that um i do believe you and uh what you said about talas you know men dying i had a experience when i lived on the island of hawaii um i had these beautiful koi fish uh, pond in front of my house i had a bed and breakfast and um and one morning i woke up and all the fish were dead and that was kind of spooky and on that very day the previous owner that owned that property came over and beat me up and almost strangled me and if it wasn't for the next door neighbor um uh i probably would be dead and uh and and so i i was injured i was hurt and um and uh you know he he got uh he got a conviction on his record and it turned out that he he was just this you know horribly unstable person who had lived on the island and ha- and he'd been kicked off a of maui and then he was on the big island and he had done all kinds of terrible things to other people and um and and so for me that was like a sign like like why did all my fish die and so some of the people who um you know heard about this they're like well you're lucky you know your fish dying probably you know helped you to ward off some of this you know their their kind of protection pets and animals are like protection but that morning there was just something really strange in the air and to find my all my beautiful koi fish dead was just quite traumatic however um i i i do understand about and by the way the japanese like when i go to japanese restaurants they always have a bowl of salt next to the entryway which supposed to mean that it absorbs the negative energy and the bad entities from entering their place so i've seen them i've been there early that you know they come out they say a prayer and they put a bowl of salt down there to the entryway so again science cannot always explain everything but what i understand is you know um we we have ancient uh, traditions that have helped us like one of the things that i do i started practicing yoga when i got pregnant because i'm allergic to pain meds and i was determined to birth my son without pain meds and i took yoga and since i've never given up my yoga it has really helped me a lot it led me to become vegan eventually and um and so i realized you know these yogis 
had thousands of years to study the human body and how it works, right? So, you know, this is like ancient knowledge. And, and, and we, you know, we, we dismiss that because of whatever. And you know what? In modern uh, books for medicine, they don't have the proper um, uh, uh, pictures and descriptions of all the body parts because um, your diaphragm is very important. And this is not portrayed accurately in Western medicine books. And they certainly don't even spend enough time about the pineal gland. I went to a museum in Las Vegas where they claim to have every organ and part of the human body on display. But guess what? There was no pineal gland. And I asked the person, the curator, where's the pineal gland? And it was like, well, they, we looked around and it wasn't there. So I, I wonder, was the pineal gland not shown on purpose because they don't want us to be aware of the importance of your pineal gland? Or was it just overlooked? We don't know. Anyway, thank you so much for coming and joining us. Um, it is now 12 o'clock. Um, if anybody would like to say some closing words, I'd like to wrap up the space because today is a beautiful day Sunday and I need to uh, get going and be with my son and uh, do some fun things this, today while the day is still young. Um, please go ahead, Rohan. You have your hand up. Yeah, if I may. <laughs> Uh, just when you were saying, I, I, of course, uh, that I would make you work harder. Uh, so I am going to pin up a piece. And this is this piece uh, I created out of the experience of the out of body experience that I had. Uh, I, I mean, like I said, I, I actually create all my pieces based on visions. Uh, it. I'm just going to. Uh, I don't know if it was a dream. I don't know if it have actually happened. I wake up. It was really serene and it was, I was really comfortable. All I could realize was I felt it was calm and it was peaceful. And I was just looking up and I sort of felt that I was like, I seem to be really close to the ceiling. And I turned towards the side and uh, in my room, I have like a win the windows go all the way from the bottom to almost up to the roof so i look i sort of turn and i was looking out the window and it's a beautiful starry sky it's like magical but then i kind of felt again that i was really close to the roof uh and after some time i sort of turned back and i could actually see myself on the bed uh sleeping and right next to me is my dad uh, my dad sort of had a health condition and uh, uh, he would uh, sort of make noises that would make mom up in the night. So he used to sleep with me because I was completely fine with it. So I could see my dad right next to me and I could see myself. Uh, and then I, all I remember was I, I literally went out the window, like I could literally float around. And the next thing I remember is just waking up. Uh, so this... I, and it felt like has light as a balloon. Like I literally felt like floating like a helium filled balloons. So this piece, there's actually a surreal version, with, which is sort of using my uh, emotes of bulbs. And it's an animated piece. And you can sort of see the transition inside me that I sort of, the feeling that I went through. And also there's a conceptual version that I shot 
with balloons because that's what I felt when I was flowing. So so this piece sort of birth, took birth from that very feeling. But it's just something that I thought I could sort of give an example of how my things work in my head uh, and my pieces come come to life. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rohan. It's so nice to meet you. I am definitely following you and I'm going to check out your art. And And you know what? I wonder, I have a question for you. Do people ever come to you and ask you to speak with their dead relatives? Is that something that you've experienced? I've had that happen once. Uh, I've, of course, not done it because, uh, like I said, I, I it's not something that I'm very appreciative. I, and like you said, as a person of science, one, I'm scared because I've seen too many things. Uh, two, I am also in sort of denial and I don't want to accept that part of it because I've had not great experiences. I would say that from, from my childhood. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. I can certainly appreciate your position. And, uh, well, um, today we had so much fun uh, talking about the social life of the dead with Dr. Fabian Graham. I learned a lot, and um, I encourage all of you to check out Dr. Graham's links, look at his beautiful art, and uh, he's got a couple of books on Amazon that you can check out and maybe buy. And um, and uh, does anybody, uh, did you want to say anything uh, in closing, Dr. Graham, and then we'll just go around the room and give everybody a chance to finish up? I just wanted to thank everybody for uh, coming and listening, and Hope you enjoy looking through my various albums on, on, on my link tree. I do have one rather special NFT. The um, the extreme piercings that you'll see uh, on OpenSea come from the Nine Emperor God Festival in Phuket. And one of the NFT is actually an uh, all-inclusive trip to go with me for next year's festival. Uh, why would I, I, I've been following the festival for 12 years. I'd actually be your guide uh, and interpreter. There'll be professional interpreters there. And it includes hotels and air tickets and everything else. And you're totally taken care of. I'd introduce you to the festival, the complete history of it. Um, I have a privileged position there as a university researcher. So I get to the front for all the photographs. If anyone there is a photographer, um it's just a it's actually a very 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 unique experience and that's uh on my open sea if you wanted to uh take a look at the open sea link to uh theater of redemption is a collection and, and that, that's it really and thank you for coming and listening and i'm in taiwan so it's 4 a.m in the morning here so it's uh almost bedtime thank you Thank you, Dr. Graham. I realize you did this special space so that we in the West could attend and have a turnout and uh, we won't keep you much longer. Um, Fred, uh, did, did you have anything you wanted to add before we wrap up the space today? No, thank you. for. It was a very good surprise. Uh, the spiritualism with such a powerful energy today was such nice. I really loved this, spirit, this one today. Thank you for hosting. Thank you for collecting. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you. 
Thank you, Fred. I appreciate your assistance and your um, very, very intelligent commentary that you have for artists. Um, Jenny, you've got your hand up. Please go ahead, dear. Yeah, I just wanted to quickly say I've fixed the OpenSea link. So whenever you like, you can have a look. It's been great uh, being in this room. I loved the conversation. Thank you so much for coming, Jenny. I really appreciate you being here. And uh, I will definitely check out your art and uh, see what's going on there. And Samosa, you have your hand up. Please go ahead. Yes, um, thank you so much, uh, Sandy, for collecting uh, my work on Tez. Um, both of those are they're, they're really dear to me, especially the Turkishai. Uh, these are mandalas that I draw. I, I've studied, uh, I, I went on a holiday to Bhutan and uh, I stayed back because I studied uh, making mandalas there. And this is more than about 12 years ago. So for me, mandalas are my first love, although I've been doing abstracts ever since, but mandalas are always special to me. And I do make healing mandalas like in real life for clients for, uh, you know, so that they can put it up on their wall. So yeah, mandalas are always special. So thank you for this and thank you for the space. And uh, yeah, this is this is really, really, really good. Thank you. I am so glad that you came today and I definitely look forward to seeing you. Um, I'm going to be doing these spaces regularly where we will focus on a person's art and let them tell us about their journey. And I will also be a collector. So I encourage you all to um, come to these spaces. And if you want to be interviewed, please drop me a line and let me know. Um, I see your hand up nine pointed. Please go ahead. And how do I say your name? Please help me. It's not. I go by not. Thank you. Yeah, Please and, go uh, ahead. Yes, yeah, Sani, I just wanted to uh, thank you for picking up, uh, up uh, an edition of the Sodalite. Uh, for the rest of you in the room, uh, it's, we've done a bunch of a collection of healing crystals, and Sandy was kind enough to pick up one of those, and it really means a lot. And uh, this is by far one of the most interesting spaces that I've had the pleasure of attending. So thank you for hosting. Thank you so much for coming. Okay. And uh, we saw uh, Dr. Graham go down, and I love uh, all the new art that I've seen, and I'm going to continue collecting. And by the way, uh, thank you for fixing your link, Jenny. If, uh, if the open sea gods let me, I am just going to collect one of your pieces here today. Thank you so much, and um, I hope you had a good time. And uh, so uh, I've got uh, my friend Kunal. Uh, did you want to say anything in closing before we leave? I just wanted to say thank you, Jenny, for collect, uh, Sandy for collecting, and thank you everyone for this amazing conversation. I could learn so much from everyone, though I can't sleep now. Okay, so <laughs> Kunal is thanking Jenny. Kunal is thanking Jenny because of Sandy because in the DMs Kunal is like, what are you guys talking about? I'm trembling. Stop it. Stop it. So that's the conversation he's been having with all of us. <laughs> Kunal, we should get on a call. I can tell you the stories that I've been through. Just, just. No, no, I'm not interested. Please. No, I'm not. But thank you, everyone. You all are such amazing people. You have so much of energy, knowledge, everything. Like, seriously, so much of love. Thank you.
Thank you again for joining. I do enjoy looking at your art. And um, and by the way, Rohan, I am interested in having a space. I would love to just do a space and have you speak about, you know, these things that other people are afraid of, because I'm not afraid. And by the way, Kunal, like you, last night as I was reviewing what I was going to be talking about today, and I was going through Dr. Graham's um, everything in the book, I, I couldn't go to sleep. I got really spooked. <laughs> And I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't go to sleep right now. I, I need to do something before I go to sleep because, you know, right before you go to sleep, whatever you've been thinking about and doing um, kind of uh, melts into your dreams. So I had I had to go on another space and talk with some friends. And, you know, then I ended up watching a, you know, a little bit of a movie to, to just kind of take my mind off of things. So, no, I, I hear you. Uh, this was a very kind of a heavy uh, space because, you know, people – um, and I learned a lot too. I, I didn't know about uh, the deities in hell that were being, um, you know, uh, doing rituals to, and 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 again, it's you know, it's not because people are devil worshippers, but it's it's acknowledging that look, you know, if if you're human and you've done bad things in the in the afterlife, um, you're going to be suffering, and so maybe these ghosts and demons and things that come is is our you know, it's a sign that you know hey maybe they they used to be good humans and then they got wayward and lost their way and they're just here to warn you so um it definitely changed my perspective but um i do believe in god and i do believe in the power of prayer and um and and there there's actually some studies that uh you know this is getting into the conspiracy theory but uh, the cia uh, did some research into um remote healing and they found out that you can actually um affect people far away with your energy so so what does that talk about you know that that's prayer right you think about a person and you pray for them and and so you know every morning it's it's important to be grateful and and to have positive thoughts and um and you know i if if you are mad at somebody or if somebody does something to you, uh, I'm going to give you my grandmother's advice. Don't wish them ill. The best thing to do is to turn them over to God. Because you know what? The creator, it's the creator's job to judge. It is not our place to judge. We are here to learn and to be good and to learn our lessons. So this was advice my grandmother gave me, which I think is good because, you know, to, to wish, and, and, you know, what does Buddha say? You know, it's like doing insults. Um, it's like holding a hot, you know, it's like throwing a hot rock. Well, when you pick up a burning rock, your hand gets burned first before you can throw that rock. So that's another kind of example that I try to remember is if you're angry and you're upset, this will definitely injure your own spirit first. So that being said, um, anybody else uh, want to say anything before we wrap it up? I've got to say something on this one. That what your grandma said is so true. Whenever someone crosses me, whenever something happens, I go, I can't do anything because God is much more powerful. I'll leave it to God to 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 do what He has wants to do. And you know, it's, it's to me the law of karma is one that you can't get away with. You know, just do good to others, to always do the best, always use positive energy. And whenever negative energy crosses you, you let it go. Let God sort it out. And often God will do much more, is much more powerful than I ever will be. So thank you again for that quick talk. 
Thank you, Fred. And I'm so grateful that Dr. Fabian Graham was able to join us because you don't read about this stuff anywhere, really. You have to kind of find it. Um, it's it's not uh, you know it's not on display. So you know here in the NFT space, uh, we are a very unique community, and um, it, you know I, I encourage you to uh, look at Dr. Fabian Graham's uh, link and and see look at his art and look at his books. And you know if you go on Amazon. Um, you know, uh, you can actually read a little bit about the books on there. You know, I'm so glad that authors do that, allow you to read a few pages of their work before purchasing it. And um, so that being said, uh, I thought I saw a hand up. Anybody else want to say anything before we leave? All right. Well, I want to say thank you to Tabasom. She's an amazing artist. Um, I'm definitely going to be collecting some of her art today. She's on many different blockchains, and um, I'm going to collect some of her beautiful work. She's an amazing photojournalist. All of you are great artists, and special thanks to Tarot Spaces for coming and recording our space today. Once the editing is done, um, Terra Spaces will post a link and these uh, links are forever. They do not disappear after 30 days. And I encourage all of you to invite Terra Spaces to record your spaces. If you're having spaces on your own, reach out to Terra Spaces and ask him. Um, and, and he does accept payment in crypto form. He's got a sliding scale. So if you're totally broke, He'll work with you, and um, but uh, Terra Spaces I met through the Cosmos ecosystem, and uh, I, I met him you know quite a while ago, and I'm when I was uh, doing other spaces, and I asked him to record. So, everybody, thanks for coming today. It was so wonderful to get to know you, uh, the new artist. I made some new friends. I learned a lot from you. Thank you, Jenny. I love your art. Thank you, Samosa. Thank you, Fred. Thank you, Kunal. Thank you, Rohan. It was especially wonderful to meet you. And um, and everybody, have a wonderful rest of your day. And thank you for coming. And uh, we'll see you soon. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was The Collector's Gallery, Episode 4 with Dr. Fabian Graham. Hosted by Sandy Toes 2211 and Fred, a.k.a. Frederick Schultz. Dot Tez. Recorded on Sunday, February 12th, 2023. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. And if you want to keep listening, head on over to TerraSpaces.org slash donate and show some support now. They say rapping is the gateway, bringing home great pay, checking that replay, sing along and we say nobody gives a fuck around my way. I make about three bucks for every thousand plays, so add it up and do the math on that. Financially speaking, why the fuck would anybody want to rap? But in this reality, the money comes from doing shows, but then where's the money go when you can't do the shows? I guess you could rap on camera. I've been asking all my friends if I can rap on the patio Six feet, motherfucker, step the fuck back Doing a little magic, pulling rabbits out the rucksack Not everybody's always in it for the money Looking like another crooked Sunday and I'm working Monday So you know I ain't stressing, left debating great methods Amazed to play Inception, the base state less See, even with these huge sums of overall royalties These are sums of money that go to the record label per playback Can seem insultingly small, small. Many rights holders are making around three quarters of a cent Actual artists say they're making pennies, pennies, pennies per play.
Until they can figure out how to turn a profit, their future will always be in question. But for now, investors see enough potential to continue to fund pennies, 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 Another day, another lesson. Living in the eighth dimension might be worth a little mention. Living in the Great Depression, got a real regal feel. Reeling in another sucker fish, out to make a deal just to make a motherfucker wish. Ah shit, now you only got two left. You know what I wish? We didn't have any loose ends. You know what I miss? Listening to excuses. Now we're on the fence, like we forgot how to choose. That's what happens when people don't know what's true in the dark, eating bullshit up like a mushroom in the lunchroom, just trying to laugh it off. Meanwhile, foaming at the mouth like a rabid dog, like a fake mate and called at the zoo. It's looking like the view is getting disappointed too. I'm working on the new shit, trying to produce it. It's what I'm willing to go through when I'm making my music. Terror spaces.